All right, Megan. <laughs> I'm very naturally <laughs> and like how I always do saying, let's start the show podcast. But Scotty, we can't yet. Why not? <laughs> You're really selling this. <laughs> because before we start the show, we got to do the Peter Panda dance. No. <laughs> Sky, I'm not recording this fucking podcast till you do the Peter Panda dance. When you're down and low, lower than the floor, <laughs> you ain't got a chance. And do the Peter Panda dance. Scotty, that's, that's not a Peter Panda dance, but you know what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Opa Gangnam style. No. <laughs> no, no, not even a little. It's fun. Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like, and I'm doing this intro my way. No highway option. Scotty Moore. And I've directed many enemy incursions, and I've choreographed (laughs) (laughs) assaults on uh, enemy bases. I don't remember exactly what he says, but I'm making danger. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Fun Fiction. Fuck. Do you know, okay, my brains have been making weird metaphors lately, but you know how, like, there are things you have done in your life that you know you have done. Like, I know in the year 2014. There are things that you've done that you know that you've done. Hold on. (laughs) Wait a minute. And, like, I know in 2014, at some time, I went to a beef jerky shop at the beach. I don't know what beach I don't know what was in the store. I don't know what day. I'm saying I know this thing happened, but as far as details are concerned, I know nothing. That's how I currently feel about the 2005 (laughs) film The Pacifier, in that I know I've seen it. If you ask me to break it down, I can't do it for you. The Pacifier, the 2009 family film starring Vin Diesel. Which means it's always a family film. (laughs) It's all about family. Uh, he's got a, he's like special forces or whatever the fuck, and he's got to babysit some wacky, sassy children. The man dies by a shotgun in the first ten minutes of this film, and I have never seen a film so quickly ignore a character's violent murder, (laughs) and they do. It distracts from the hijinks. There are points in this film where I thought the the characters were literally going to say, I'm glad my dad's in the dirt, Vin Diesel. You're my new papa. <laughs> that is 100% the energy. It is, there are so many moments where it's like, I'm glad my dad's murdered and I have you now. There is a point when he does the, of course, as we've discussed, Peter Panda dance for the small child. And he does it successfully. So the child says, daddy or something. Thing. And Vin Diesel, instead of being like, no, <laughs> be cool about this, is like, oh, the, the kid 
besides like two, you're saying be cool about it. I'm your, I'm your big, buff, angry, bald nanny. I'm not your father. Your father's dead. Good night. <laughs> That's what you wanted. I'm saying Vin Diesel shouldn't have accepted that false daddy valor. You know, you don't <laughs> you steal that. texted me that. Is that stolen dad valor? <laughs> stolen papa valor. <laughs> So but it's it's uh, it's full of all the things you would expect that he's very mean and the kids don't like it. But then like they bond and like he teaches one of them how to drive and and he yells at boys and um, he wrestles with the older brother from Everybody Loves Raymond while the brother from Everybody Loves Raymond is wearing a unitard uh, because he's insane. He is my favorite character in this film, and he's also objectively the worst human being on the planet. I'm trying to find a few of the great lines that he said because I sent quite a few of them to you. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's when he when Brad Garrett sees Vin Diesel for the first time, he goes, yeah, you got a real upper torso going on. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. You got two legs coming out of them shoulders, huh? <laughs> and he, he falls into the rich tradition of, like, authority figure who's not just mean but is absolutely abusive and would have been fired in an ideal world before wrestling Vin Diesel. That's the other thing I will say. The teacher challenged the boy to the fight and Vin Diesel Which is fucked up. What kind of teacher does? I'm gonna fight your son. I'm just saying the, when the match they agreed to was boy versus everybody loves Raymond. And I, I don't think everybody loves Raymond was prepared to fight Vin Diesel on that day. No, because he was a grown man who decided to fight a child for absolutely <laughs> no reason. And Vin Diesel went, as your as your temporary guardian, um, I'm going to beat the shit out of this man for you. There are two scenes in this film that work. One is that scene, because Vin Diesel is stone cold fucking up Brad Garrett. And then uh, the whole time he's just teaching the class about like self-defense. Like he's like wrench rips his arm out of socket and beats him with it and is like, and if you ever come up come, come upon this problem in public, here's what you need to do. He's just like fucking kicking Brad Garrett in the tank going straight smarts. <laughs> and then I threw him off his rhythm. <laughs> So that scene worked, and then there's a scene, it's very short, uh, but it's when he's, like, bringing all the kids to school, and he's very still military, but he's, like, giving them all lunches, and I was like, that's cute, and then uh, the girl comes up, who is Pitch Perfect Woman, and uh, he goes, no, you're driving, and then throws the keys to her, and I was like, okay, that's got some Fast and Furious <laughs> energy that I'm digging on, because... I don't know what it is about Vin Diesel, but he does not seem like a real human being. <laughs> and that any time, with the exception of that scene, I don't think there's a time in this film where he attempts to be earnest and it does not come off as just extremely sexually awkward. Very sexually charged and just powerfully... He does have some real sexually charged moments with that little girl. With a literal eight-year-old who's like, you're muscular, you're cute, and instead of Vin being like, this is fucking weird, he's like, 
Let me tell you something, little Sally, about my time in Vietnam. <laughs> um, also, there's a, there's a there's also a duck. There. Oh God! See, much like the film, I forgot about the duck. You forgot about the duck halfway through the movie, which was one of my favorite texts from you, where you're like, "The fucking duck just came back, and I forgot it was there. I thought I was hallucinating." <laughs> Uh, there's a duck. There's also a little Russian lady who helps them out in the beginning of the film, and then she leaves, and it was the most upsetting part of the film for me. I forgot about her until you had mentioned. I was like, oh yeah, gosh, she had another really good line. Uh, oh yeah, I said that uh, she has only bisexual working at Starbucks and struggling to keep the ship running energy. Which is just a wild thing to say about a wizened old Russian woman being a nanny. <laughs> yeah, but she does a big, like, they fucking ordered the Frappuccino eight minutes ago, Garrett. Get it over there right fucking now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Smash Mouth make an appearance during it. And then, I, should we discuss just the whole arc of the Peter Panda dance? <laughs> I, I think we have to because that was the whole thing I was selling you on. As I said, it's all about the fucking Peter Panda dance. And, it, and then you were like, well, after you watched Vin Diesel perform the Peter Panda dance and you're like, yeah, I guess that was worth it. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're going to see it again. It's plot relevant. Well, yeah, well, here's the it begins with the Russian little Russian lady doing it. And I was like. I've seen these kinds of movies before. He, the big strong man's gonna have to do the silly dance for the baby, and it'll be very funny and symbolize him coming around to being a real human being. Little did I know <laughs> that 30 minutes after what I thought was the firing of Chekhov's gun, Chekhov reloaded and put it to my temple and said, bite down. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, the, the dad, the original dad, not, not Vin Diesel's stolen Valor dad, yes. he was like some kind of scientist or some shit for the government, and, and he done got murked. And um, the Peter Panda dance was something he'd actually made up, uh, which is why when Vin Diesel successfully performs it, the little baby says, Daddy. Uh, but the oh. Peter Panda dance is more. It's more than, than just a dance. <laughs> the nuclear launch code. <laughs> it's a secret code to get you through a fucking Legends of the Hidden Temple <laughs> death trap. So that you may access, what, I don't even remember what the fuck it was. It was, I can't remember what it stands for, but I just remember that it's a bad acronym. And it's, oh yeah, GHOST. It's GHOST, which stood for like Global Height Assisted. So there's an A where the O needs to be, and they just accepted that. Something with drones, I don't fucking know. But anyway... The only way you can get it without being murdered by Indiana Jones-style booby traps is by following the directions laid out in the Peter Panda dance. I hate it. I hated it. I was, I was so excited when you were just messaging me like, no, fucking no. <laughs> I was like, no, Jesus Christ, hell no, please, God, no. Would you say that Vin Diesel had any kind of sexual chemistry with Gilmore Girls' mom? Is that the is that the mom of the uh, of the affair? 
Is, no, isn't she the one who works at the school or something? That's right. Yeah. It's the hot mom from Gilmore Girls. I don't know any other I cuts. never watched Gilmore Girls, is the thing. Um, but I think, like, I think the film was trying to convince us there was something there, but I was like, he's got better chemistry with that eight-year-old, and that's not <laughs> something I want to say about this film. But like, there, was a, uh, <laughs> there was a moment at the end where he leans down and he's just like, you're my best friend, little girl. <laughs> <laughs> like Vin, no, Vin, stop it. Um. Okay. So for a very lengthy amount of time, apparently this was not going to be a Vin Diesel vehicle. It was going to be a vehicle for Jackie Chan, and the reasoning for the duck's existence stems from a script when Jackie was involved, and there was a pretty racist joke involving it. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, he planned to kill it and cook it for dinner, which horrified the kids, and therefore Chan reluctantly keeps and takes care of it as a pet. Even when Chan oh exited God. the project and all other writers worked on the script, the duck still stayed. So it it's literally just a page in the script that didn't get erased. Yep. <laughs> they were like, go with it, I guess. Now, see, what's funny, and this will dovetail nicely into what I want to talk about, is that Jackie Chan... Let's see, what... Actually, wait, fuck, I gotta look up what year this is. Give me one quick second. Yeah, okay, so a year later... The Spy Next Door would come out, in which Jackie Chan is a spy who has to, like, figure out how to do a thing, and it involves babysitting his next-door neighbor's kids. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. So, I guess he found a, a project, a version of that project he liked better than the pacifier. There were a lot of these films that existed. Uh, there was also... My personal favorite starring uh, WWE legend Triple H was uh, The Chaperone, I believe is what it's called. Where he uh, That didn't pop up in my, my rather exhaustive search of big man small child adventures. Oh, I seen it. <laughs> I seen it. It's not good, but I seen it. Uh, yeah, he, an ex-con on the run from his criminal past, hides out from those he ratted on by chaperoning a field trip to New Orleans. And there's just a whole lot of Paul Levesque at big, at big museums. <laughs> so, all of this gestures towards the rich cinematic universe of big man take care of small child, including, uh, so we had Pacifier, we had that thing. There's uh, it all. It all actually comes from I think either I'm not, I I forgot to look up which came out first. Kindergarten Cop, okay. With Arnold Schwarzenegger and Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. That one's all right. Um, that they were like some of the first ones, and from there we got uh we got like the game plan with The Rock. We got uh playing with fire with John Cena. That um, one was probably the most recent one I could think of. Yeah, it, it sucks so bad. Actually, no. Um, I don't know which one came out first, but then there's also My Spy oh, with Dave Bautista. With Bautista, is, yeah. Is a very big man who his his spy ruse is seen through by a small sassy girl who's yeah. his neighbor. And then she's like, teach me how to fuck people up. And he's like, I have a small goldfish and I'm not in touch with my feelings. In, in Playing with Fire, John Cena... Uh, works at like a not like a firehouse but like a like he's a firefighter for the woods for like national parks or something and he never had a real childhood or learned how to like 
emotionally interact with other human beings, but that's okay. These orphan runaways are are gonna fix him. Well, he is the peacemaker now as well. So <laughs> it's it's true. Uh, and then one I'd never heard of. My brother had to tell me about this one. Twin sitters. It it stars uh, these wrestlers called the Barbarian Brothers. And um, okay. Now, those are the names of the wrestlers, that they're the Barbarian Brothers. I just assume that you know about wrestling. I'm looking it up right now. I'll be able to tell you. <laughs> they're waiters and bodybuilders, and they have to take care of twins. Oh, I assume it is not this 2002 drama romance film that I'm looking at right now. No. No, it's from, like, 1991. All right. Uh, while I look this up, should we also <laughs> discuss the other very buckwild <laughs> plot point in The Pacifier, which is when, at one point, Vin Diesel gets all the kids to school late, and they're like, the boy has an issue. The boy who, up to this point, has just been, like, fully gothed, fully depressed, fully school shooter adjacent. Yeah. And they promptly pull from his bag a Nazi armband. Oh, yeah, that's right. God, when I first watched it, I was like, excuse me? Yeah, I was like, pardon me, Disney? Disney? <laughs> it's okay, though. He's not a Nazi. He just wants to be in the sound of music as the Nazi boy. <laughs> as the Nazi boy. And he didn't think to tell anybody, hey, if you're looking through my stuff and you find any <laughs> you Nazi, Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> if you find any crazy Nazi stuff in my bag, here's the dealio, yo. Also, what kind of production is that that they're like, you're probably gonna have to want to wear this when you're at home rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> you want to really get into character because it's very much community theater. Vin Diesel ends up taking it over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, that's what you distracted me from. When I was naming out all the movies, one of the things uh, this is for this comes up in like my, my fan fiction. This was all research. Uh, the names of all these guys are so good. Yeah. Oh, they, they these boys are not professional wrestlers. They are literally everything else, though. But apparently they uh, have never been wrestlers. Okay, so my brother lied to me because I'd never fucking heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, these, so Vin Diesel in the movie, as though anyone would ever refer to him as anything but Vin Diesel, but his character's name is Shane Wolf. Yeah. In, uh... <laughs> Mr. Nanny, it's Sean Armstrong. In Kindergarten Cop, it's John Kimball. In The Game Plan, it's Joe Kingman. In Playing With Fire, it's Jake Carson. And in My Spy, it's Big McLarge Huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually JJ, which is like, wait a fucking break thing I had going. Yeah, I had a good bit <laughs> running here, you. <laughs> like I said, it, it really was a in one ear and out the other film for me at this point. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it for 20 minutes. Yeah, although I did ask you before, like, hey, how high do I need to be for the pacifier? And I believe your response was enough. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just the right amount, baby. I was like, okay. <laughs> what I have is pretty strong. Time to fall down the rabbit hole. 
So I did tell you uh, a couple, like literally before we were supposed to record last week, and even more shit hit the fan that uh, I needed a little bit of extra time because I had realized that okay, my initial fan fiction for this week was going to be about kind of like this stonery guy who gets arrested for possession or some shit, and as punishment, instead of going to jail. Because you shouldn't have to go to jail for that. What's up, folks? Am I right? Um, <laughs> they let him work at a boys and girls club as a mentor to a child. And, and then you realize that that's just the plot of the film Role Models. I did quickly realize, <laughs> oh, fuck, I've just written Role Models again. I can't do this. Uh, but I really did want to turn the whole vibe on its head. Of instead of it being a big buff callous man with a adorable baby, what if it's an adorable man with a very scary baby? <laughs> so that's yes. what. Yes. Also, I will say half of this was written uh, this morning while I was very tired, and the other half was written tonight when I got very high and said, I can finish this before we record. That was an hour before we started recording. It's very easy to tell when I start having my panic attack. <laughs> so the name I mean, of my like, flick is going to be called okay. Mr. Babysitter, which already feels like it would fit in <laughs> with all of the ones you said earlier. It's perfect. Uh, revolves around a young lad named Dennis, who will be played by Jack McBrayer. Because I was like, oh, who's the who looks the most like just a baby that became an adult? And I was like, ah, Jack McBrayer. Isn't uh, he like really old now, though? I don't th I don't think it's possible for Jack McBrayer to look old. Because he he still do have that voice. Let's see. Well, yeah, he do have that voice. What's though? Jack? Mc no, he do still look like a. He do still look like a doll that was granted the horrible curse of life. That's, that feels more accurate to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he owns and operates a company called Mr. Babysitter. It purports itself to keep your kids happy, healthy, and safe while you're away. The last part is what intrigues Mr. and Mrs. Diaz, two recent imports to the fair city of Spokane. I looked up the whitest city and Spokane came up. Uh, they need someone to watch over their three kids while they're off for the weekend. Mr. and Mrs. Diaz are played by Pedro Pascal and Linda Cardellini because I just, I just kind of want to get that vibe going of those two getting together. <laughs> just uh, want to put that into the universe. <laughs> just want to speak that out into the world real quick. Uh, so the film opens with the titular Mr. Babysitter Dennis down on his luck, looking through papers and sighing, symbolizing his company is in shambles. You know how movies work. But every time he has to, like, interact with somebody, he Jack McBrayers up. He's just like, hey, how are you? Yeah, come on in. Once you see the game, real fucking happy shit. Uh, and he excitedly gets to talking about whatever and wherever. He absolutely adores people and especially kids. The phone rings suddenly and we got to, we get to hear thank you for calling mr babysitter no one keeps your kids happier healthier or safer this is dennis how can i help you then a fucking real creepy guy <laughs> comes over the other line uh it is a raspy tony once again asks for his help but our ever peppy hero refuses given that the man on the phone can't give him any real information on the child except that his name is jerry every time he asks for a home address or a phone number or any type of details the man on the other line gets nervous and attempts to dodge the questions but this time what the fuck? i know right hold on <laughs> 
It'll make sense in a few. I'm sure. Uh, this time, however, the man has a big offer on the table. $20,000 for a weekend of babysitting. Dennis is hesitant, but sits back on his morals and refuses the money. Because I'm the hero. We then meet Dennis's landlord at the complex, who keeps Mr. Babysitter, like, that's where his business is. He's played by J.K. Simmons, because of course he fucking is. Uh, he's been ragging on Dennis for weeks, attempting to get the previous month's rent, and also potentially pictures of Spider-Man. Uh, Dennis offers to watch his kids to pay for rent, to which J.K. responds with, I'd never do that. I actually love my kids. Now get me the money by next week or you're out. Which causes Dennis to look back at the phone, basically contemplating redialing and accepting the $20,000 offer. But before he can, there's a knock at the door, and in enter enters Hector and Julia Diaz, new residents of Spokane who need someone to watch their three kids for the weekend, and they're offering very agreeable pay. They are prototypical cheesy parents. Uh, they have a lot of love for their kids. They hate to leave them like this. So Ma Mr. Babysitter smiles, accepts the job, vowing to always keep their kids happy, healthy, and safe. Mr. and Mrs. Diaz offer to let him follow them to their home, which is where we get introduced to the fun mobile. Dennis's fucking big old creepy van, which is filled with various accoutrements that he utilizes to keep things fun in the homes. There is video game consoles, toys of various sizes for various ages. There are tablets, movies, whatever you need to keep a kid's weekend fun is contained in the back of the funmobile. Fun <laughs> also, I just need to say it now. No pedophile jokes in this whole thing. There's nothing inherently creepy about our lead, and he definitely does not have any potent sexual tension with an eight-year-old. He's just a bit. Uh, Jack McBrayer's got pedophile energy. He I'm sorry. Do, though, and I, I'm so upset about that. I don't have to worry about him being like, "Hey, eight-year-old, you're my best friend." He's just no, a, he would he would do that. Yeah, he's just a big old man baby. Uh so <laughs> the first thing we see as we arrive in the home is Brad, the oldest, getting full on judo thrown into the wall near the doorway by Isabella, the middleist. They're both fucking super cool and jacked and bald and drive fast cars. <laughs> <laughs> they begin they begin full on interrogating Mr. Babysitter, reviewing if he's worthy to watch them or not. They ask how much he benches, how long he's lived in America. It's a whole thing. The pers the uh, parents shoo away the destructive duo before remarking that the only person he needs to win over is the youngest, Jack. This is when we meet Jack. You know that scene in the new Star Wars trilogy where Yoda tries to fight and he just be flipping around like a crazy motherfucker? That's what happens next. Pedro Pascal leaves this big fucking nerd alone and Jack goes full sicko mode and starts beating the shit out of Jack McBrayer. And like Jack wait, wait, tries. Like, 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 Kung, like the beginning of Kung Pao? Yeah, yeah. Full baby fight. <laughs> full baby fight. Even he, Jack McBrayer gets in a few solid shots too, but the baby just keeps glancing them off. <laughs> uh, then the door opens Pedro walks in and using like clever kung fu maneuvering Jack now looks like he's being rocked back and forth so the parents <laughs> don't know he's a kung fu master uh, Jack gives him a thumbs up the dad now knows Mr. Babysitter's fucking cool so with that Mr. Babysitter is officially in charge of the Diaz household for the weekend and over the course of that weekend it will not be the children that learn from him, but he who learns from the children. Because the Diaz family has a dark secret. 
And that secret is that they are all part of an international spy association. Every single one of them, even the kids. It's fucking spy kids, baby. And Mr. Babysitter is charged with sitting on those babies as they go through one of the most dangerous missions they've ever been on. To save their parents who get kidnapped. Shit, this is just fucking spy kids. It's, ah, fuck, it's spy kids, but with Jack McBrayer. Shit. Yeah. But wait, <laughs> while they teach Mr. Babysitter to be a man, he teaches them to be children. He lets uh, them play the Xboxes 360 and the Rubik's Cube, helps them realize they focus too much on the spy part of Spy Family and not the family part. Oh. Fuck, this has gone down like a fucking ball of flames. This is the damn Hindenburg <laughs> of spec scripts. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay, now, all right. What's was, that? Wasn't Pedro Pascal in, like, the most recent Spy Kids sequel? Like, the real bad one that was just straight to Netflix? Man, probably. I don't know. All right, what's here's what's next. Just imagine literally any film in this genre. <laughs> at one point, they probably all get upset or one, at one another or something and break up. The son has a a love plot with someone but he's bad with girls or some shit Mr. Babysitter decides to finally ball the fuck up and be a man but when he does he realizes the boy and his love interest have been kidnapped by the terrorist and now the terrorist has to be taken down which means they have to teach Mr. Babysitter some spy shit and that whole sequence ends with him having to fight the baby but to get the victory this time to prove himself worthy my god no fuck i've not come up with a villain yet shit ah fuck uh okay it's not the neighbor i'm not gonna say it's the neighbor it's not the neighbor like it was in the pacifier it's not that has (laughs) such a good fucking twist though huh Okay, look, it's the neighbor but here's like here's their deal mr babysitter recognizes the neighbor because it's the guy who kept calling him and asking him to watch his kid jerry from the uh, yeah, the guy from the beginning, you remember? But the thing is this. Jerry is actually the code name for the bioweapon he possesses, and he needed Mr. Babysitter to watch the bioweapon while he left town so that the neighbor could avoid getting caught in the bioweapon exploding. Fuck, man, I got no idea. Um Why did he need someone there? If you know if the if the enemy <laughs> invades the home. And stops the bomb before it could go off. Okay, look. All right, here we go. But there's he's not the main villain. The main villain is some fucking Val Kilmer-looking motherfucker who used to, like, work with the parents, but then betrayed them for the highest bidder, betrayed them and the government. All right, now I'm fucking feeling it. We're cooking now, baby. So, okay, he betrays them for the government and his, and, and his government, too, and he works for... Fucking Italy. I don't know. Anyways, they got him for war crimes and had him put away. But now he's out from jail. Okay, wait, what if there's two villains? Okay, wait, yeah, yeah, there's two villains. One that's Mr. Babysitter's and one that's the parents. The one for Mr. <laughs> Babysitter is the neighbor. out of control. <laughs> uh, the neighbor who is also one of Hector's close friends. He's actually the one who leaked the information about the Diaz family living there. Then the main bad guy, General Smallpeen or whatever, played by <laughs> Val Kilmer, and he's just like a ghost of their past that they thought was gone. But when he returned, they had to go into hiding and spoke 
Hurricane Washington. Uh, but then they got kidnapped when they tried to find him again. All right, anyway, so the Diaz family come together in the end to save their Patreon matriarch from the clutches of General Smallpeen, while Mr. Babysitter is left to fight on his own and deal with the neighbor. And they have a full cheesy fight through the house that Mr. Babysitter has turned into like a kid's playland. So to inspire the children to be children, he's like made it a full circus of of mayhem and madness and it's really cool uh and then it ends with them fighting with literal swords and mr babysitter ripping out the neighbor's throat with his bare hands baby then he tells his landlord at his place to fuck off because he's got a new job now as a butler to the wealthiest family in gotham welcome to pennyworth season three The ultimate <laughs> twist. No, he's just like the butler to the Diaz family, and he teaches them how to have f- family fun. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> Congratulations, you made a movie as bad as The Pacifier, but in a completely different way. <laughs> I feel like I went through the stages of what it was like writing the pacifier, which is, okay, I've got a pretty good general idea. Wait, hold on. Fuck, I gotta write about this. What is it? Nazis, I guess. How do we resolve the Nazi thing? I don't know, chief. Musicals, I guess. So that's what I did, Megan. What did you do? So, um, my original plan was I wanted to do, like, the big man small child cinematic universe where, like, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever, like, tracks down each of these f- former wrestlers and or whatever, like, action yeah, men. And um, the thing is, like, I couldn't figure out, it's like, and what? Asks them to join the fucking protecting various small and sassy children initiative. <laughs> I'm like, this, this is nowhere. This is nothing. So I scrapped that. Um... You do have something with the opposite, though, which is where all the children are actually together and they're testing these big, strong men about their abilities. I wanted to test your abilities. Um, That's that's very good. So I did this instead. And it's uh, it's an interview. It's someone interviewing. Okay. uh, that they're interviewing for a nanny position. Um, Hello. Hello. uh, Also. Before I start, I just want to throw this in there. So I was uh, putting a lot of thought into names and stuff, and then, like, the kids' names. And I asked my brother, because I'm staying with my brother now, because I have to, because RJ has COVID, but it's fine. By the time you actually hear this episode, RJ will not have COVID anymore. Yeah, yeah, I've been sleeping on my brother's couch, and that's been fun. Uh I was like, hey, try to help me, like, figure out, like, some real, like, cheesy, like, typical, like, kids' names. I'm... Hopkins? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, wouldn't you want to see a five-year-old named Hopkins? Come on over here, Hopkins. <laughs> Boulevard? Boulevard? No D? No, no, bull, bull, like, Simon Boulevard. Okay. <laughs> Ogberg? <laughs> And of course, and this is how he delivered it to me, and of course, little baby Cuban. <laughs> you know, the kids, Hopkins, Hawkberg, and Cuban. I love them. These are like my new Baudelaire orphans. I love this group. 
that is is nothing with anything, but I I couldn't let it go undiscussed. Oh my god. I I don't rarely do crossovers, but fuck. I wish I had written the pacifier, but with the Baudelaire orphans instead. Shit, that's a really good idea. Damn it. (laughs) And these three unfortunate orphans on that day found themselves at the doorstep of a man who was all about family. (laughs) Who was just absolutely jacked. Alright, well, instead I did this. Um... I looked up from my sheet of applicants and referrals as the next new interview candidate entered the room. He was bald, or shaved, who can say, and his neck was thicker than a phone book, which, coincidentally, was something he looked like he could tear in half in one easy motion. His absurdly huge and sculpted body was crammed into an ill-fitting suit. I raised my eyebrows suspiciously, but still gestured for him to sit down. I flipped to his application as he nervously twiddled his thumbs. Dan Cutter? He nodded stiffly. Mr. Cutter, please forgive my incredulity, but your resume is surprising when coupled with your appearance. What, are you saying that a nanny can't be ripped? That I can't be great with kids while also keeping my core muscle groups toned and developed? Not at all, Mr. Cutter, I replied coolly. There's just been some incidents with the last few nannies we've brought on to look after Skylar, Madison, and little Stevie. Oh, Hopkins. Thank you. And little Cupid. Bring them back. (laughs) So, as an overworked, high-powered single parent who may die tragically off-screen any minute, but is otherwise growing increasingly distant from their kids and the simple joys of family life, we've had to take some precautions. Hence this interview. Some of the questions may seem strange to you, but believe me, There's a good reason for them, Mr. Cutter. Just Dan is fine, replied the massive, heavy-browed man who sat before me. I knew deep in my soul that if he wasn't wearing this suit for the job interview, he'd be dressed in a plain white undershirt with an understated leather jacket. Like, maybe like a bomber jacket or something. Everyone calls me Dan, he continued. Danny, the the guy's back on the force. I mean, um, at my last job, used to call me the Danimal. face right now. I hate it. I hate the Danimal. <laughs> I narrowed my eyes. What was your last job, Mr. Cutter? Uh, midwife. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't special forces? Definitely not. Black ops? Nope. Professional wrestler? That's a weird one, but no. Police detective? <laughs> what? That's crazy. <laughs> Mr. Cutter, how would you say you are at communication? He thought about it for a moment before answering, gruff and loud, but with a deeply caring sentiment that once I've bonded with your children and started to become my true self outside of my previous professional environment, soon becomes apparent. Interesting. Are you dating anyone? No, but there is someone I'm in love with, but too emotionally stunted and constipated to ever actually ask out. At least, not without the advice of a sassy child who confuses me with their kid slang. (laughs) One last question, Mr. Cutter. Go for it. How fast can you disassemble, clean, and reassemble a Beretta 92? 35 seconds. Ah, shit! (laughs) I shook my head, tutting. Just as I suspected. I'm sorry, but you're just not what we're looking for on the position right now. But, but a 
I'll wear traditionally feminine or otherwise emasculating clothing associated with childcare. I'll sit at a tea party and frown while wearing a tiara. I'll mentally destroy your kids' bullies by explaining how I could kill them and dismember their bodies so their parents will never find all of them. I'll change a diaper while making a face like I only just learned today for the very first time what poop is and where it comes <laughs> from. I'm sorry, Mr. Cutter, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And scene. <laughs> so good. We don't usually do this, but I was very curious if fanfiction.net had any selection of pacifier. Oh, you're on the wrong website. While you do that, I'm looking on archive of our own. It appears to have 52 pages. (laughs) Okay, no. It's got 52 different ones. I mean, that's still a a lot. That's still too many. (laughs) Any good titles? Um... This one's called The Pacifier. The next one's called The Pacifier. The third one's called Will You Be My Pacifier. No, no. Uh, Fourth is called Spying on Unexpected Love, Reporting for Duty, Seasons Change, and So Do People. The Pacifier says trans rights. (laughs) I'm looking for, like, crossovers. there's, There's one where someone made The Pacifier, but with their O.C., Oh no! You know it is just called the pacifier, um, oh. and they have the characters listed out. The only reason I know it's their OC is this is Lexi Plummer parentheses OC. I'm going to read you the uh, the little blurb here. Alexia Lexi Plummer is the eldest child, a girl with anger issues, going to anger management classes. <laughs> she, along with her siblings Zoe, Seth, Lulu, Peter, and baby Tyler, must deal with a lieutenant as a babysitter. Are the plumber kids so much to handle this Navy lieutenant? Will he adapt to the kids' ways of living and make them accept him as part of their lives? Now, this is the saddest part, is um, if something's separated into chapters, a lot of times a writer will set up, if they have an idea how many chapters it's going to be or that they might have written. Yeah. Um, it says chapter 4-19. Oh my god. <laughs> Now, uh, but they haven't updated it since August of last year. So unfortunately, last year though, I don't, I don't think we're going to see the completed story of Lexi Plummer. Yeah, but last year, oh my god, I have one called "My Love for Seth Plummer," the pacifier fanfic. Oh. I looked for this and only found one that I really liked, and then I thought, why not make another for other people like me who loves Max the Riot characters? This? Wow, there's only like five pass. There's not okay. There's nine pacifier fakes on archive of our own, so you got me beat there. And a lot of them aren't like they're weird, like one shot collections. Although this one is a crossover between X Men First Class and the Pacifier. Okay, I'm down with that, I think. X-Men First Class meets the 2005 Vin Diesel film The Pacifier. After botching a mission and failing to protect scientist Hank McCoy, the United <laughs> States Mutant Special Forces leader Eric Lenscher now faces the toughest assignment of his life, protect his five unruly mutant children. That's sweet. I like that one. <laughs> that was from 2016, and that one, they only wrote two out of their intended six chapters. Now, this so one has some interesting... Now, this one has some interesting tags, which are... Vin, Diesel, Shane Wolf, Seth Plummer, Lulu Plummer, Ghost, and then 420 friendly cannabis stoner. 
<laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> just like, yeah, let's go, baby. It's good to know that this is a pacifier fanfic that's cool if I get high before I read it. <laughs> Man, I think we've successfully found the shallowest well in the history of fiction. And it's the pacifier. It's because it's literally dug too deep. It's because people have done it far too many times now at this point. People love large man, small child. Yeah, I mean, like, because there are even more, like, variants to it. Like we were saying earlier with, like, instead of it being a cool muscle boy, what if it's a little chubby guy who likes smoking marijuana? Oh, role models. (laughs) Has Rogan done one? Because I don't think Knocked Up is not really about Seth Rogan really high taking care of a baby. No. Has who gave <laughs> who gave Seth Rogan a baby? <laughs> but yeah, Knocked Up is the only thing for this. I feel like he should. Seth Rogan deserves a baby movie. I mean, he has a baby movie. I don't consider knocked up a bit because, like, well, no, well, because it's not. I got like a child movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I want him to have a child in a movie, and I want to see him like, <laughs> and then, like, take care of the child. I would like to see Seth Rogen and the baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> is, the, is the Mandalorian? <laughs> Big man, small child. That is, you know, it is really. Now that I think about it, like Gro- Grogu is kind of sassy in his own way. Yeah, Grogu's sassy, absolutely. Yeah, that's that is that's probably the best version of this that's ever existed. Probably. Well, we did the pacifier to the best of our degree. Um, <laughs> but what are we getting into next week? Are you still gonna? Are you still going to go to the well you promised me last week? Yes, I am taking you to the promised well. And from there, you shall drink of its its delicious waters. And those waters are uh, the, the, the mummy. The mummy. <laughs> the, the, the mummy. They are the, the sweet, delicious, mummified waters of 1999's The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, Rachel... Um, McAdams? No! <laughs> I don't... Weiss, Rachel Weiss, Desert Librarian Mommy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. All right. What, did you see, um, fuck, the Black Widow movie? I did not. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I'm just Yo, trying to. I didn't of, either, but still. Of, of, I'm trying to think of things that she's in that you have the best chance of having seen. Uh Oh, she's married to da- big boy Danny, <laughs> Danny C. Yes. Yes, and they have potent sexual energy. It's uh, it's very powerful. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen this. You wouldn't have seen this. You definitely would not have seen that. Wow, it always makes me real sad <laughs> when I go on Wikipedia pages with this many things, and I'm like, well, surely I've seen one of these. Constantine. I've not seen Constantine. I own Constantine, and I've not seen Can- Constantine. That's confusing. She's in a lot of very good movies that I'm not naming because I know you don't watch them. You know you don't watch good movies. Look, I mean, I wasn't going to say yes, yes, that. 
Yeah, she's yeah, just been in too she... good of shit for me to see. <laughs> well, you're going to see her in The Mummy, and you're going to understand. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to make you also watch the second Mummy. I'm fully, I'm fully planning on enjoying the first Mummy so much that I will demand a sequel episode. I, uh, I, I think so, because here's the thing. We've been watching some shit, and now I'm rewarding you with this amazing movie, this iconic bisexual film. <laughs> and those are my favorites, you know. I mean, if you, if you listen to anything else I do, you know those are my favorites. Well, until then, where could people find you on the internet? Nowhere. Yeah, dog. Same, though. <laughs> I, live, I live in my brother's closet now. <laughs> not all the time. I'm just recording in it, but... You can, you can, oh wait, no, you're not done, are you? God. I'm never fucking done. <laughs> the more you interrupt me, the longer my tangent will go on. <laughs> Do it again, bitch, I dare you. Do it you. again, coward. <laughs> I'm on Twitter sometimes at Meg underscore danger. Don't look for me. You can find me getting very frustrated with how this gain on this microphone is shooting up and down on Twitter at Scotty Mo S-E-O, T-T-Y-E. Mo, if you don't like wrestling, don't follow me. Like, <laughs> full on, dude. I finally had the tweet today, like, hey, podcast nerds, you're good. <laughs> you don't have to keep following me. All I will talk about is wrestling. <laughs> and you can check out all the other podcasts that I talk about wrestling on, and like Fight Boys and JWF Monday Night Ignition. If you thought wrestling just needed more Scotty, check out JWF Ignition, where I get to be be the greatest professional wrestler to never wrestle professionally. You can find all that on the internet. Good job. Check out the weird, the actual play podcast TTRPG, where me and Megan do some funny things to some uh, ghouls and ghosts and hunt them down every single week. <laughs> no, it's definitely not the schedule. No, you can find no, it at jointheweird.com. No. <laughs> you can. Um, it's it's very good. I assume it's coming back at some point. It's a good old podcast where we hunt some ghoulies and ghosties, and you can check it out on some the internet. Ghoulies and ghosties. <laughs> Look, I'm not. I'm looking at how long we've been recording right now. The pacifier did not provide, so I'm having to stretch out these up It's totally not obvious at all. We're we we we're so good at this. Um, it's okay if we have a short episode. What do you it's mean? Fine. Yeah, any other day it'd be fine if we had a shorter episode, but this is our normal hour length minute we're going on. <laughs> Buy merch so Scotty doesn't have to do this. Wait, can you open the door to the closet and quickly thank Best Day? <laughs> Thank you, best day for <laughs> that starts our show and also ends our show. You can find more of it at soundcloud.com slash best hyphen day. Also, thanks for cooking dinner. <laughs> that was worth it. That was genuinely worth the bit. Good, I'm glad. Oh, well, we did it, and now it's time to talk about the mummy next week, which I feel like will be a fresher tree of fruit than the pacifier was. <laughs> We gonna get horny. We gonna get mad horny next week.
<laughs> Join us next week where we get mad horny. Next week on the weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you tune in and you just hear. <laughs> please, Andy, please shoot me. I just want to be here anymore. Please. No, we're going to let the audience sit in silence for seven minutes. <laughs>